0: One year ago, I told myself I wasn't going to make an alt-beer again for at least a year. Well, it's been a year and then some, so it's time to restart dialing in that (music) alt-beer. Welcome to Big Monster Brewing. I am Matt, and today, after waiting for over a year, I am once again making an alt-beer. Alt beer is a style of beer I've had a long personal history with in brewing, and trying to figure out exactly what it's supposed to taste like has been a challenge, because I've never been to Germany, and with that, never been to Dusseldorf specifically in this case, so my discovery of alt beer was in the BJCP guidelines. It sounded like a style of beer that would hit just about every one of my checkboxes and what I like in a beer. So I brewed my first alt beer, and I really liked it so much that I entered it into my first homebrew competition, and I won my first medal ever with that beer. It was a silver medal in the Amber Bitter European beer category. Ever since then, I've been trying to dial in that original recipe, trying to get it to where I feel like it's as perfect as it can be and consistent. Through the years, I've won a lot of medals with this beer, but it's also been to a fair number of competitions and won nothing. The frustrating thing about this beer was that it was never solidly one or the other, win or lose. It was competition to competition. If we won competition, it would win a gold medal with a score of the high 40s. The next competition, it would do nothing with a score in the mid to low 20s. So consistency has been a struggle for this. Now, that's one thing of many factors that go into a competition beer and to a competition. There's always the factor of the judge's personal taste, the position in a flight, the handling and storage of the beer, but the swings and performance in this beer it was even wilder than consistency would kind of account for. It got to the point where not only was I overthinking it, I wasn't even sure what I was looking for in the beer anymore. I wasn't sure what to look for to change. I wasn't even quite sure what I was what I was tasting was what I wanted, what I liked. Was it even right in the style? It was just, it was a case of overthinking it, not really figuring out the particulars of why this beer was swinging the way it was in competition. And I had to just stop making it for a while. I made my last batch, tasted it, had really no idea what to expect from it and said, I need to walk away from it for a while. And I did. It's now been well over a year. I didn't even... Note when this beer was last entered into competition, but I know it's been far longer than a year just based on the amount of recipes and the dates on the recipes from the last alt beer. It's been at least a year and maybe a quarter, like three months. So I think everything is well reset. My memory is faded. I still know what I want in the beer, but I don't quite remember what it used to be exactly. So I think it's time to return to brewing an alt beer So let's do that and get to the recordings. It's brew day for my latest version of the Alt Beer, and this is the first time I've made it this year because I got so frustrated with the inconsistent feedback I was getting last year, except for one thing that seemed to be repeating itself. That's the one thing I'm taking into consideration in this this recipe, and that is... The bitterness always seems to be commented as too low. So we'll talk about that when we get to the Wheel editions. But right now I'm getting the grist together, the whole malt bill. And if you've listened to, I don't even know how many episodes and different versions between YouTube and the first runs of this show way back when that I've done an alt beer. This may sound familiar, but I'm starting with, this is a one gallon batch. i going to do a one gallon test batch on this new recipe. It's worth mentioning because these numbers are so low. One pound, 12 ounces of Pilsner malt. ounces of Munich malt. That's going to be the base. And then fairly light on the specialty malts in comparison. 3.8 ounces of Aromatic malt. 1.9 ounce of sixty L Crystal 60L, I should say. And then finally, 0.5 ounce of Carafa 1, right? Yes, that is a 1. Hard to tell, (laughs) that that writing there. And that is uh, the Carafa one. I I find that funny because I've just brewed the amber ale, which you probably already heard that recipe. And I clearly remember using 0.5 ounces of of one a nap, but that was two and a half gallons. So this is same amount, it's actually gonna, well, sounds like it's going to make this much darker than the amber, which it typically is, but I'm hoping not too far dark that it's out of style. So that's it, I'm gonna get these together, mill them, and then get everything, well, everything. I get the single pot on with the water and then the cooler mash tun that I use to mash, that's it. No foundry, no pump, no hoses. Very simple. Should be a very quick brew evening, actually, to give you the time frame of the day I'm doing this. And, well, it's not going to be quick if I don't stop yammering, so I'm going to go ahead and get moving. I've got the water in and on the stove, and I often wondered what the actual capacity of this kettle is. Because I do remember, at least I'm thinking I remember that when I got it, the label on it said three gallons. I've now got 2.8 gallons in there and it is almost full. In fact, there's probably just enough or exactly enough room for 0.2 more gallons. And if I put that in, it would be even with the top, with the lip of this kettle. So I do believe it is exactly three gallons like I I thought I remembered. So kind of got that re-answered and now it's time to heat it up. So here we go, gonna get it to just to i uh, give some numbers out here. I want to mash at about 150. I always say about when I use this method of brewing because it doesn't, dialing it in is a little difficult. So I'm gonna heat up the water to 153. The room temperature of the grains is about 88. That might drop about two degrees because I brought it inside from the hot garage where where I set them while I was waiting to brew. And that should give me, it's not gonna be terribly much more than 150 if it is higher. Maybe a little lower. I'd actually, I think I would like it higher if it's not going to hit, but I don't want to overheat the water just to force it to be higher. I'm still going to try it for 150, so we shall see. That's probably what I'll talk about next. I mentioned the water and the capacity of the kettle, but I don't think I mentioned that I'm using distilled water. And If you've heard quite a bit of this show, you might have guessed that because I say it, not every episode, but often enough that if you listen to the entire run of this, you picked up on that. But if you hadn't, I used distilled water for everything. I build my own water profiles. By that, I mean I I manually build the water profile with the mineral additions, but the computer, I put in what I want it to match whatever style or whatever characteristic, and it tells me how much to put in. <clears throat> in this case, I'm putting in... Uh, just almost less than a gram of everything. Not everything, though. I'm putting in a little more than a gram of calcium chloride. Then I'm adds, 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 adding gypsum salt, table salt, non-iodized table salt, and then some chalk, which is interesting that it told me to put chalk in rather than baking soda, I think, to offset the dark molds. But that's this has not steered me wrong. I used the Beersmith water profile. In conjunction with brewing water, a little bit, depending on how complicated the recipe is, the more additions you have to a recipe, the more complicated brewing water gets. I kind of rely very heavily on the calculator and Beersmith, Beersmith 3 specifically. That seemed to have worked much better for me than the previous version. And it's never steered me wrong. And I, I've smart, there's been a marked noticeable improvement since I've been building my own water profiles. I don't know how much contention there is with that idea. I have had success with using using spring water. I've also had success with using tap water, dechlorinated tap water, but I seem to have better control and better outcome with water profiles I build myself. So that's why I do it. That's my experience and that's my opinion and that's my voice giving out. So I guess it's time to stop talking about water and get a little bit of water myself. a right, little bit of water and i can speak again so um i wanted to come on and record this quick i just mashed in nothing too exciting there other than putting hot water inside the mashed tun with the grains but i took a measurement and it's after my back and forth of oh i hope it i'd rather it be high but not low and yada 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 it's actually 150.1 so really was no concern apparently and But that's a rarity with this. Usually I'm off a degree or two, either direction. And I know that going into doing these one-gallon brews, but today seems to have been an exception. So I quickly sealed it all up. That temperature is going to drop over the next hour, but that initial conversion that, that's starting right now and for the next, say, 10, 15 minutes is going to be in that 150 range. It's it, The drop in the next 15 minutes might be... 149 and a half degrees so that initial conversion the main uh or the majority of the sugars that we're going to get out of this are being produced then at the exact right temperature that i wanted them at so that is that makes me quite happy about this beer I just stirred the mesh for the first time since I started it, and what I do now, it's been 20 minutes, this is is the point I'm trying to get to. I do it every 20 minutes now, I used to do it every 15, but there's been a couple times where my time management just hasn't, I've missed that 15 minute mark and I've ended up just stirring it twice, and I have seen absolutely no impact on my conversion numbers at all. Everything falls right in the range of what I expect, never too low. Or too high. I wouldn't expect it to be too high, but I'd expect it to be too low if I had missed just one stir. And it so no no difference. And that's one less time I have to remove the top and let that temperature drop a little bit. So I've now shifted to just doing it twice. I don't think I'd ever skip stirring it because I'm I'm convinced without any uh, empirical evidence that stirring it breaking up the grain bed exposing it to more water is uh, hot water inside that it it helps fully convert everything Uh, i suppose i could do a test on that but i don't think i'm gonna go that far i'm not even sure just one would be okay it it probably would but i'm happy with two because 20 minutes between stirs seems to be enough time for everything i do during the Mesh rest, and that's get the boil additions ready, get everything ready f- set up for the transfer into the kettle and anything else in between that, that I had forgotten or need to get ready or need to do. 20 minutes is like a nice sweet spot of getting things done. So I'm gonna keep with that. So that's where I'm at now. And, and in 20 more minutes, I will stir it again, but I will get the boil additions ready, as I just mentioned. I'm getting the boil additions ready for this beer, and it's relatively simple in terms of hops because it's not a hop-forward beer. It's a multi-beer with a supporting bitterness and apparently a stronger bitterness (laughs) to other judges' palates other than mine because when I think I have it right, inevitably, there's always a comment about needs to be uh, more bitter, at least one of the competitions I send it to, if not more. So what I'm doing, I'm starting off with 0.25 ounces of magnum at 60 minutes that sounds doesn't sound like a lot but keep in mind two things one it's a one gallon bat so it's very small two this this particular packet according to hopefully the it's it's correct this this packet is 16.9 alpha acids every harvest is different so i have to adjust as the packet says and hoping it's correct if this is all right it's going to give me 60 technically 60.4 IBUs of bitterness up front Which is 10 units well 10.4 units of bitterness outside of the style guidelines and i find when it comes to bitterness it seems and maybe it's my between my process and the ingredients i use or whatnot i always seem to need to push outside the guidelines to get those bitter uh, the lack of bitterness comments to not always leave but become less common it has actually backfired against me where it says maybe it doesn't say too bitter but it might say something about off balance and whatnot but uh, I'm going to try it with this one this this is a test batch I'm going to try enter it into something see what the comments say and if I don't get bitter on the first comments enter it again and just keep trying until to see if I feel like it's dialed in assuming it actually if it doesn't do anything if it's if there's another problem with it i'll have to change that but that's that's the, right now my concentration for this batch is the bitterness then i round it out with 0.1 ounce of hollow middle fruit 15 minutes that's just to add some earthiness to it maybe a little floral probably not a whole lot with the grains that i'm using on this but it'll give it some balance even if you don't directly detect it it'll give it some balance overall hopefully that's the plan then of course yeast nutrients in 10 minutes and world flock around five five to two minutes And that's it. Very relatively simple boil for this. It is, I will say, well, I'll I'll talk about that when we get to it. There's a a boil note on here that I didn't notice until it was, now it's too late because I've added all the water. So actually I'll probably be talking about that next. So I'm not talking about that boil comment next after all, cause I got something else going on right now to talk about. I did, it's the mash is over. I've removed the grains. They're draining through a colander sitting on top of this circular uh, cooler, my mash tun, And I'm doing the Vorloff and that's like, that is not sparging, but it is removing some of the wort, pouring it over the grain bed and, and repeat. And what that does is take larger chunks of the grains the husk primarily that slips through and some other parts do not necessarily just husk related and and help clear out the wort so you get just mostly that converted sugar and proteins that you want when you get to fermenting so not a sparge like on the big anvil or let's say big the two and a half gallons on the anvil or the five gallons on the bigger anvil foundries but it is a it is a rinsing process, but instead of using clear hot water, I'm using its own wart over and over again. I usually do it about a gallon's worth or so, maybe. I don't even know if I really count. I count 10 measuring cups full, and I don't fill the measuring cup. It's a two-cup measuring cup, so that's probably about 16 when I will said and done. 16 cups, which would be a gallon, so I'm guessing a gallon. And I need two hands to do it, so I'm going to stop this recording and get back to it. I'm now emptying the wort into the kettle and getting ready for the boil. Now I'll talk about the boil. The note I wanted to mention was this recipe was an adjustment to a previous recipe. I, I took what I liked of that and switched around things and whatnot. The one thing I didn't change was I should have changed the boil from 90 minutes to 60 minutes. There was a, For a while, I was doing 90-minute boils for anything that had a high pilsner malt base and i kind of weaned myself off of that and went to 60 don't seem to be getting the i think it's a dms that it produces or maybe it's diacetyl i'm not sure which one uh either one but i'm not getting it through that i'm getting if i get it it's usually from fermentation from not doing a diacetyl wrist i guess that would be diacetyl not dms um anyway my point is i i didn't see that until i was getting the boil additions ready just when i saw 60 minutes for the first one i was like how long does this boil? I was like, oh, it's 90. And I've already used the water calculations that Beersmith gave me. It's all being drained in the kettle now. So I need that extra half hour to get my get to my gravity and get to my final, final ferment, uh, fermentable volume. So even though I'm not doing it to drive off precursors, I'm doing it to get to my... The, the, to the gravity that I want and to the amount that I want. So I could, if I really wanted to, it would probably take me longer than a half hour to dial this in correctly. I could remove some wort, add some DMS, or uh, not DMS, geez, I just screwed up. DME, dry malt extract, and get my numbers ready where I want them. That's going to be messy and probably not, maybe not a full 30 minutes but the better part of it, I can just let this sit for 30 minutes and do almost anything else with my time than make that mess. So I will gladly let this sit. And then when I reformulate this recipe later, I will make sure that I have it at 60 minutes so that I have everything where I want it. I like my hour boils right now. I did talk about moving to 30 minutes in an episode previous to this that may may not release, depends on what ferments first. But I haven't yet. I haven't got it dialed in. The numbers are all way off. I have to do a lot more. Experimenting before I moved a half hour, so I'm sticking with 60 because I get the results I want right now. And well, except for this case where I'm going with 90, so it is just about drained. So I'm going to get this on the stove so that we're not doing this for more than 90 minutes. Hey, we're at the 60 minute mark. This has been boiling for 30 minutes. I didn't record anything about that because it was literally just boiling so i've just added the hops and the first set of hops that is the magnum and they are in a hot bag i use those i think oh man did i ever just explain this i don't know how long this could go on i use a hot bag for these one gallons because i strain this through a really fine mesh strainer and when i use loose hops it clogs up instantly so this helps minimize The vegetable matter from the hops getting in there. So, I guess that didn't take as long as I uh, thought it would. It does reduce the efficiency, I guess, of the utilization of the hops. So, I put in, I've read somewhere, and it has seemed to work, or at least flavor wise, because I don't have anything to measure that I've used. I've read somewhere that to compensate for using hop bags, add 10%. So, this is technically, was it 2.75? No, 0.275. Sorry, ooh, it was two point seven five ounces of sixteen alpha acid hops. Oh man, that'd be something. But it's that's technically what's in there. But it should be giving me 0.25 ounces worth of hop efficiency or return. So, I, that's okay. That did end up going a little longer than I thought for just dropping a bag of hops and boiling wort. But there you have it. we're at 15 minutes, almost 15 minutes. I gave myself a few seconds to set up this recording. 15-minute mark to drop in the next top edition, which I just did. That is the Hallett Tower middle flow. And I only have uh, the yeast nutrients in five minutes from now. And then the Warflock tablet, well, part of it, a very small part of it, Warflock tablet, five minutes after that as well. So I don't think I'm going to come back and record those because you... That's, I just described exactly what's going to happen. What I am going to do uh, right after I put in the yeast nutrients is load up the sink with some ice and then water and along with that to fill in the gas the ice so I have the ice bath ready. That's how I chill these one-gallon batches. Not sure if I've described that particular part other than saying that I was chilling it in past episodes, so I thought it was worth mentioning there. So that's the last of the setup before we actually get to chilling and fermenting. I am chilling the wort now. The wort, the kettle is in the sink. One thing I didn't mention, along with the boil additions, and I don't know that I ever mentioned this before either, when I do the yeast nutrients, I also put in my stirring spoon that I use to stir this as I chill because it does need to be sanitized as this wort drops below boiling temperature so I add that as well and right now I have the kettle in the sink and it's uh, one to note that it fits so well there's just so just the exact amount of room of ice surrounding the kettle if anything happens to this kettle or this sink I don't think anything's gonna happen to this kettle but anything happens to the sink I think I'll be sad when it comes to these one gallon batches and I think that's likely because more and more lately, my wife has been commenting on what we're going to do when we remodel this kitchen. So I think it's, that time is very, very soon ahead of me. So maybe I can salvage this sink and make a stand to make a cooling rack out of it. That sounds really unnecessary. I'll just find another way to cool this. So I'm gonna get back to stirring, and then when I'm done, get it in the fermenter, and then come back and talk about the yeast. I'm about ready to pitch the yeast. I did get everything into one gallon for monster fermenter, sanitized, of course. And I, I'm using dry yeast again. Second time this summer. Again, I ordered this the same time I ordered that Belgian yeast because it was so freaking hot. And I am glad now because the temperature is maybe five degrees cooler now on the, on the average. And I did order a pack of liquid yeast recently with two ice packs in an insulated bag and it's it arrived within 24 hours of ordering it and getting out of that bag the ice packs were melted and the the yeast was i think just below body temperature because it felt a little cooler than to the touch than my like i could feel a little coolness it wasn't cold so I'm, i didn't i should have now that i think about it i could have i have uh, one of those surface temperature thermometers i probably could have taken a temperature but that's it's like body temperature is as far as i would want that yeast to go i wouldn't even really want it to go that far so another hour maybe two on a truck in florida and we're in a real danger zone with that yeast so i'm glad i stuck with the dry yeast idea when i ordered these except for one thing that has me really concerned right now this dry yeast is safe lk97 this is the german ale yeast strain but it says under characteristics selected for belgian type wheat beers characterized by a good length uh, uh, a good length on the palate i'm not sure what that part means but the belgian wheat character the word belgian worries me worries me uh a lot because i don't think it's a secret um my thoughts on belgian beers and i do not understand why a belgian wheat beer is specified on a german uh yeast strain i've looked i've checked and rechecked to make sure people use this for alt beers they use it and and, and consensus seems it's used for cultures and alt beers which is exactly what i would expect from a german strain i've even seen someone now this is an internet source so who i have no idea how accurate it is they've they've claimed it's the same strain as ye's 1007 which is what i used to use all the time for my alt beer so i feel a little better about that but that word Belgian concerns me. I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. I'm going to cut this open, pitch about half the packet into it. A little less than that. It's only one gallon. These are supposed to be good for five gallons. But overdoing it to an extent is okay. You can, you can really overdo it. But it's, it takes more that's even in this pack, I think, to do it for one gallon. But about half this pack is going to go in. am going to seal it up and get it in the fridge. And then let get those... Yeasts that are about to wake up out of dried suspension state do their work. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. (music) It is a little, about a little less than 12 hours later. It's about 13, maybe 14. I can't remember exactly when I finished last night. About 14 hours later, and the krausen on this Alt Beer is huge. So these yeasts took off. Dry yeast, uh, typically for me, in my experience, takes like two days to really get going, not this one, and I'm happy to say, so far, I don't get any Belgian-like aromas coming off of this. Yes, I did did put my nose towards it. I didn't open it to do it. I uncovered the airlock and let the gases that were uh, bubbling in there kind of just get into the air, and I don't smell, I smell a fermentation like aroma period just no i was afraid i was gonna get some like clove some fruity something belgian-esque that i didn't like but i don't i don't get it so i'm not sure i still am confused on why that mentions belgian weed beers on there i'm gonna have to do some more research just for my own knowledge of why this k is a k97 yes k97 only only mentions Belgian wheat beers, no German beers, but it specifically says it's a German ale strain. Very strange. So uh, I don't have that answer now. I'm not sure I'll have that answer in this episode, but that's something I want to know because that's really curious to me. But otherwise, I think we're okay. Uh, We'll know in a few more days. All right. It's been about two weeks, and since the last recording, I've done a diacetyl rest. I've raised the temperature two degrees, let it sit for four days. Then I cold crashed, I put a Mylar balloon partially filled with CO2 and a tube into the uh, stopper, the stopper where the airlock would go, and then I cold crashed it, and now I'm just going to transfer it to a keg. am going to let it sit for probably two days, well, okay, at least two days. It may be longer, it could be a week or so. I want to, I put some findings in it, put some silify, am going to let it settle and clear out. Then I'm going to carbonate it and probably go right to bottling And canning, split it between the two because I'm gonna need the keg probably right after that. In fact, that's probably what's gonna dictate when I do all the things I just listed. I know I gave gave some nebulous dates, like two days to a week, and then let's sit and whatnot, but I really think uh, when I look at my calendar and figure out when I have to brew my next beer, that's gonna dictate when everything falls into line. So, tasting is most likely gonna be next because there's nothing else unique. To this beer and to this recipe, no dry hopping, no adjuncts, no keg additions. It's straight up going to package, carbonate, and distribute. So that's all I got left to do. So we'll probably go right back to the tasting now. It is tasting time for my first alt beer in over a year. And I do have the guidelines pulled up because I kind of went back to the guidelines think about this beer a little more and i'll start with the overall impression and the overall impression says a moderately colored well-attenuated bitter beer with a rich moldiness balancing a strong bitterness light and spicy hop character complements the malt a dry beer with a firm body and smooth palate so looking looking at it i will say the color is right where i want it i i um like it closer to What a, I'd say a Vienna Lager probably looks like, which is funny because it's the, I believe Vienna Lager is the only other beer in this category. It is looking at the guidelines. So that's the color. I like it. I have seen them darker. They're fine. I wouldn't say I noticed any super distinct, like way off the charts taste difference with the darker color, probably from more specialty malts. I just, for some reason, like the lighter color period. Just not even for an alt beer. It's just kind of the aesthetic I like for. A beer I like them more in the copper, deep copper, bordering towards brown range. So that's what I kind of gravitate towards when I'm formulating this recipe. It's very clear. It's 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 actually quite clear. It's one of the clear beers I've made in a while without intending it to be clear. Head retention is not great on this. There is some standing foam on the top of here. There's a nice tight collar of all kind size bubbles, not quite large bubbles, but medium to really tiny, fine bubbles, but the head that poured fell pretty quick. I think I had it holding long enough to get a picture. I took, um, pictures in a couple different places. So I moved around all depends on which one I use in the end, but I think a, some somewhat of a head lasted through that entire, uh, photo shoot, I guess you'd call it. It was just a little thicker in the beginning, but since I ended up taking other pictures in other places, <laughs> those probably won't be used for the, the cover art of this episode. So aroma, let's see here. Definitely malty. In fact, the first thing I get is kind of like a caramel toffee. Actually, more of a toffee, like a dark caramel, and then beneath that is like a little bit of a roasted nut, kind of. Not a distinct. I can't give you a distinct nut. It's not a peanut or a walnut or something. Just like a the the kind of roast character you get from a nut, rather than than from a toasting bread toast. Well, I guess I'm roasted nuts. I'm thinking like toasting, roasting nuts, as opposed to the equivalent of warming up bread. You're not really cooking or burning either of them. That's just a weird description. Trying to get my head around this new recipe, I guess. Um, there's also a distinct, there's something, there's some kind of aroma that's always been in an alt beer that is unique to an alt beer, I think it might be a combination of the malts and the german ale lager or uh, yeast i'm sorry german ale yeast if that's what's used in the beer it's very distinct i don't even know what to call it it's not bad it's it's not unpleasant at all it's just very distinct it's it's i don't know that you can smell bitter but it's kind of reminiscent of like before you eat something bitter you might get this aroma but it's it's i'm not sure what to call it this beer has it and good alt beers that i've had around town usually have this as well and they always seem to uh, at least claim they use a german l yeast so i'm not sure uh, I, i'm not sure what how to describe that other than something that seems distinctly unique to the style of beer so looking at the guidelines for comparison it says Aroma malty and rich with grainy characteristics like baked bread or nutty toasted bread crust should have a darker roasted or chocolate notes. Maybe maybe it is a light chocolatey note. That might be what, like a dark, I mean, sorry, um, faint, not light colored chocolate, like a faint as in strength and a dark chocolate aroma. Remember what I was saying? It's like something you pick up before you bite something or or taste something bitter. And to me, dark chocolate is very bitter. That might be what I'm picking up. I'm glad I read this. I think that's what I might call this. Like a dark chocolate aroma. Actually, I think that's that's probably about the best description I can think of. So where do we off on here now that I got all excited? Um, see, moderate to low hop compliment uh, does not dominate the malt. Now, I'm not getting really any distinct hop aromas. I'm getting... A presence of hop. Um, it is there. There's kind of a, a, a again uh, a distinctive hop aroma to all hops, no matter how strong they are, because they are a, a, a plant, and then they're all. They're, I don't know if they're directly related, but they're all vine plants, so they have a, a plant-like aroma, floral, sometimes vegetal. There's there is hop character, but I wouldn't call it. This says should be spicy, peppery, or floral character. I don't know that I'd really say that floral at best, maybe, but I don't know also says fermentation character is very clean. That is definitely true on this one. Low to medium, low esters option. I have no esters off this at all. So I'm going to go into the taste before I read the flavor component in the guidelines. The first thing you note <laughs> in the beginning is it's really bitter. Then you get a little bit of malt sweetness. Again, some of those caramels, a little toffee, a little bit of uh, kind of base base malt sweetness. And then it ends bitter. And that was... That was definitely a goal of mine because the one – if there's any consistency in the bad um, or the poor performance reviews of this beer was the bitterness. So I really amped up the bitterness. Possibly too much, but let's find out. That could be a palate-adjusting sip, so let's see. It is very bitter. I mean, it's like – it's definitely bitter than I have remembered my other beers, alt beers being. But saying that, it's not undrinkably bitter. It's actually quite – oddly refreshing bitter if that's possible i it's making me want to go back to for more either the bitternesses or the dryness the dryness is definitely this is a dry it's a very interesting beer how flavorful it is between bitterness and the malts come out more to your palate adjust but it still ends extremely it's it's almost it's i wouldn't say extremely dry it's bordering on extremely dry dough. it's distinctively dry I keep that's a word i'm using a lot in this one but it's unmistakably dry that's a better way to say it you would not say this finishes sweet unless you are not quite sure what that characteristic means when you're scoring this but let's take another taste yeah it starts bitter a little bit of caramel a little bit of malt ends bitter but still just man it's crisp it is crazy crisp for a nail. that's 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 kind of cool actually so all right let's see what i should be tasting according to the guidelines so Malt profile similar to a Roma with an assertive medium to high Bob bitterness, balancing out the rich multi flavors. Yes. Assertive is a good word. And high hop. I was going for high hop bitterness, uh, based on this description. I got it. Maybe too much, but assertive is a good way to say that. Um, that's what I would call that bitterness. Cause it does not really go away. It lessens, but it's there the whole time. The beer finishes medium, dry to dry with a grainy, bitter, multi rich aftertaste. So dry. Yes. Bitter. Yes grainy i'd say there's some grain character i'm not quite sure the malt um, when i say malt see multi rich i'm thinking there should be some bready crackery caramel the, the things that were in, in the grist of this should be shining a little bit in the aftertaste when it says a multi rich aftertaste i well i do not get multi rich out of this let me taste it again now with that bias in my head no no it's 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 I missed the mark on that, so and I think that's because the bitterness is so strong. I think this could be down a good uh, couple, few more than a couple, maybe like five to ten IBUs, still come across as a in style bitterness, and maybe let some of those other malt characters go out. But still, I'm still liking what I taste here. I'm not, I'm not jury's still out, but I've not dismissed the case. That's a weird analogy. Back to the guidelines, the apparent bitterness level is sometimes masked by the malt character if the beer is not very dry, but the dry, the bitterness tends to scale with the malt richness and maintain balance. Okay, that's interesting. It's definitely, it's, it's the other way around. The bitterness is masking the malt, I think. But if you consider that it's dry, maybe that's what it's supposed to do. They're not quite sure what that's trying to say because I thought that's where it was going, but the sentence ended differently than I expected. Goes on to say, no roast, no harshness, clean fermentation profile, light fruity esters, especially dark fruit may be present. Medium to low, spicy, peppery, or floral hop flavor, light, mineral character optional. Okay, no mineral character, no esters. There is, I think there's a stronger floral hop character than there was in the aroma, which is nice, too. That compliments it as well. It's, it's for being, I, I, I mean, I can, I will, I, I won't, uh, I will fully admit this is a bitter forward beer, not a hot forward beer, which is a strange thing to say. It's a bitter forward beer, but even with it being so strongly bitter, it's actually still got some nice complexity complementing it. I wouldn't call the entire beer complex. I'd say it's bitter with some complexity accompaniment, which is not a bad thing either. It's different. It's definitely different than the other alt beers I've made. So let me taste uh, again here what i really like i'll say right off the bat is that i even had to think about the mouthfeel and i only ever think about the mouthfeel when it's really light or really heavy when it shouldn't be heavy if i'm pick up a old ale or a wee heavy uh, i kind of prepare myself for that but if it's lighter than expected stands out like a sore thumb on my palate i've not thought about body until now which makes me think it's dead on to where i want it to be so actually if we look at mouthfeel it says medium body oh yeah okay yep medium body smooth Medium to medium high carbonation, astringency low to none. So, talking about carbonation, regardless of head retention, it's still well carbonated. In fact, there's going to be a lot of pauses and um, uh, uh, suppressed burps that will be mostly edited out. Some always slip through a little more than usual because it is the carbonation in this is holding fantastically, which is great because I know I I keg this or I bottled this off a keg because I needed the keg. It's nice to see the carbonation all through to the bottling, so that's that's a good thing too. Um, let's see, what else can I really say about this? Let me taste it one more time and just kind of give my final opinion. I'm, I do really like this beer. I think this recipe, as it is, I'm going to actually use it for a base. I don't think I'm going to. I'm thinking. I'm gonna. Start tackling this like a piece at a time. I'm not gonna do a whole bunch of things all at once. And I don't think there's anything I would do to the malt character because I think the malt character is there. It's just being hidden by the the bitterness. So I think what I would do is really just adjust that early boil edition, which I don't have the recipe in front of me. But if it's sixty minutes or thirty minutes, whatever it is, I'd reduce that. Whatever I put in later for for uh, flavor and aroma, I don't think I touch that. So I honestly think. Making this again, I would only change, I would honestly change this one thing. I often say I'm going to do that and I end up changing three or four things. But I think in this case, that's the thing I need to change. And it's not even a case of I I'm gonna, I want to make that change and see what happens. I think that's all that needs to be changed in this. So, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's All I can really say right now for rebooting this beer recipe, it's a good start. It's, it's probably not going to stay like this. I think we've already established that, but I don't think it's far off from what I would like to see it be. So dial down that bitterness on the next batch and see where we go. Now, I will say this is going to a competition. It's going to one out of state and it's one, it's kind of a case of it's a beer I have on hand that is got a chance. It's. Like I said, I would like the bitterness to be a little less aggressive and some malts come out a little more. And then I think it'd have a much better shot. But again, like I opened the show with, and, and depending on the judge's palettes, depending where it shows up in the flight, I think it's got a fair chance. It's got a, it's got a better chance than if it was completely off style and there was just something so outstandingly, like <laughs> stood out like a sore thumb about um of, of it. Like, um, let, well, for instance, if it was way too thin, like I said, that's something I'd always grabs me immediately with a beer when it's too thin out of style. And there's really nothing apart from the bitterness, nothing that you can really say is out of style. You might think it's a little too much for style, but there should be a bitterness in there, so it's got a shot. So at this point in the year, competition season, even though there's some competitions that yet to be judged and results announced, competition season is over. So now... I think the next few episodes are going to be some fun stuff coming up. So I have a couple beers I just want to make to make. I, there, there, there is some style influence behind it, but not necessarily one to completely match the style and be a 100% representative of the style at all. It's just what beer I want to make. And that's, that's, I think, where the real fun in brewing comes in. And Iron Brewer has just been announced, or Iron Home Brewer, which is a... I think one of the shows I helped or used to help relaunch this series earlier this year. So I'll be working on that. And then um, along with all that, I did start the Monster Mead, uh, Universal Monster Mead project. And I have two meads patiently aging that need a little bit of attention yet, a little bit of uh, uh, balancing. I don't know that they need back sweetening. That's part of the balancing. Uh, I need to get those together but they are safely sealed and airlocked they're not going bad they're aging beautifully in fact i'm kind of excited to taste them soon and get those going but what i'm trying to say a lot of fun episodes coming up i hope and it should be a lot of interesting beers and interesting reactions from when i taste those beers. so that is all to come so until we get to those episodes i'll say thank you for listening and i'll see you in that next episode